Do you want me to go, Pia? Go for it. Okay, so, um, I mean, I can answer this two ways. The first investment I made was actually in a fund, so it wasn't an individual stock. Um, I invested in um, an asset that is comprised or comprises, sorry, if that's even good English, of many different stocks. So that was actually my first investment. Um, and it was in the S&P 500. That basically means I invested money in the largest 500 companies in America. Why did I do so? Because I was very new to the game and I knew I wanted to minimize risk. And the best way to do that was to minimize diversification risk which is why I went for um, the largest 500 companies in America, because I believe that America was the strongest economy with the strongest companies. That's my first investment. Secondly, in terms of my actual first stock, it was actually BP. It was BP. And if you ask me why, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was young. I just wanted to buy something and I, I overheard someone mention BP. I looked at it and they were paying a very, very handsome dividend. I recognized the company and I thought, you know what, let me just slap some money on this. That's the absolute truth. That was many, many years ago. I have learned since then, as you know. <laughs> but BP is still an amazing company. So I'm obviously not financial advice or any investment recommendation. But yeah, that was the first company that I invested in. It wasn't the most educative investment at the time. Yeah, um, <laughs> really great question because I'm actually trying to remember where it was. But I can remember my earliest um, things that I um, started in. Um, just probably about five years ago when I'm going to be honest, I didn't really know much about investing. I just knew it was something I wanted to put my hands in and say I would learn on the job. So I didn't go all guns blazing. We're talking very small sums of money here. But um, the first uh, one that I can remember very early on was an index fund. And it was actually in the FTSE 250, so not the top 100, but um, the uh, companies after that. Um, so slightly smaller uh, cap than uh, the FTSE 100 uh, companies. Um, and I, I'm going to be honest, I, I, the, one of the reasons why I actually went into that is because when I, the, pl the investment platform that I used, they were giving me different options and I just chose that. If I'm going to be 100% honest, um, I just chose it. Um, didn't really have a case too much of a case for it. Um, I knew it was safe, safer than going into an individual company. Um, and, that's what we, uh, I guess we encourage over here as well. If you're new to this and you're learning, it's much more safer. It spreads your risk when you go into some sort of a fund rather than an individual company and putting all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of uh, a company, one of my earlier companies was a smaller e-commerce company. Um, in my head, the reason why I chose it, I didn't do barely any research. I didn't look into like the... Um, company finances or anything or really look into the fundamentals all I knew is that I, I've used this back in the days I used to use it a lot and um, it's not Amazon but it could be the next Amazon and that's actually eBay um, so yeah that was my, my uh, one of my earliest companies that I put in uh, money into well, great question, man. That's taking me back in the days, man. Um, I wasn't ready for that question, Mish. I wasn't ready for that question. Yeah, just, just let you know. Yeah, exactly. Just to let you know. But whether it's luck or whatever, I have not regretted those decisions, which is great. However, looking back, what I should have done was probably do a bit more research um, a bit more research um, and really understand my uh, case for wanting to put money into those 
um, different, um, well, stocks and uh, index funds. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and as as I, as I always say, you know, um, when whenever you are buying uh, an investment, you should have an objective for it. Um, you should understand the risks associated with that investment, and you should also have a, a, a somewhat a specific ish type of time horizon as to how long you can lock up your money for. Um, those times, as as Peter said, quite similarly, we just wanted to get our feet in, you know, and sometimes that works in your favor as long as you don't go all guns blazing. Um, would we advise it? Probably not in terms of just putting money into an individual stocks with funds. Um, obviously, again, we don't give financial advice or anything like that, but financial, most professionals, if you ask them, oh, where should I put my money? The likelihood is they will say just stick it in an index fund because it gives you that is a cheap way and a well-diversified way of investing. Great question, Noah. Cool. Uh, thanks for that, Mish. Um, any, anyone else? Go for it, huh? Um, so I got a question. I just want to ask you, you guys, what was your motivation to help others learn about finance? Yeah, I can go. Um, good question, uh, Bolly. I think um, so. I got many different hats on in terms of what I do in society for work. Many different hats, and one of the hats um, that I have is a history of working with uh, young people across different settings. Um, so yeah, across many different settings from education to people that are a bit further away from education. So I've always had a passion for working with uh, young people and that's also coupled with personal experience of growing up. So I grew up in quite similar to Jax in terms of the areas, quite a deprived area, um, single parent household. Um, I just saw certain things that when I, when I think of my life ahead in terms of my generation to come after me, whether it's my children or young people that I work with, I, w- I would like to support and help um, to educate uh, and support young people to develop a certain mindset so that they don't face some of the challenges that my generation faced due to a lack of either opportunities, a lack of awareness, a lack of belief that they can actually, that you as a young person can actually um apply certain things to your life to benefit your future um so yeah i'll say it's mainly those two things i have naturally a passion for supporting young people in many different areas but also i'm very much aware of that gap when it comes to um financial inclusion and financial exclusion essentially and if you are and i'll finish up on this if you are from particular communities whether that's from a social background from a racial background um you are more likely um to experience um a gap different gaps whether this is health but in this case a wealth gap um and anything that i can do to give value to support bridging that gap in ideally the right way then i'm always down for man yeah, I mean, what P has just said, I echo it 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, for me personally, one of the things that really, really uh, motivated me was the fact that I just looked back at my younger self and I said to myself, goodness, I wish I had someone like me now that I'm in my older self to just come and speak to me and guide me on certain things. Um, and I know there's quite a few people or, or charities or social enterprises that are doing similar things or just mentoring young people. But I think what really pushed me and what motivated me and what makes us stand out, myself and Peter, 
is our ability to relate to young people because we have been through that. So as much as I love Martin Lewis, if Martin Lewis came to me when I was 14 um, in secondary school, the likelihood is I would only listen to 20% of what he had to say. Why? Because I, don't, I, didn't, I wouldn't have felt that he's someone who has experienced what I've experienced, sees what I see, goes through what I go through. Whereas when myself and Peter turn up and we're able to speak to young people, they listen to us because they know we are doing it from a place of love and a place of experience. And we, can relate, we understand where they're coming from as well. So that's where I was really motivated to actually make it a thing. I've been doing this for a very long time anyway. You know, but to actually make it a, a, a business or a, or a social enterprise, I think that was the main motivation. Loving these questions, man. Thanks for that, buddy. Um, I've got a question for the both of you guys. Um, in relation to habits, what would you say is the biggest difference that uh, the biggest difference between the habits of when you were young, like our age, or like 15, 16, as young men, versus now when you're much mature and um, adults, I would say. What would, you say is, what would you say is the biggest difference between your habits back in the day versus now that like you've matured and you've had your own portfolios and experience with personal finance? Big question. Jack's my after you. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that's a broad question because I think my habits has changed in all areas of my life. It's not just when we're talking about finance, it's more to do with, you know, my relationship with God, my relationship with my health, my relationship with friends, families, but well, I haven't got a spouse, but you know what I mean, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And it's, it's to do with maturity, but also the fact that we are aware, we are more aware of how habits impact our day-to-day lives. And so, yes, there are so many habits that I've had to change. I'll say some of the key ones, um, that I've had to change is is my friendship circle. Um, not not change completely, but just you know, I wouldn't say cut people off completely, but just choose your friends wisely. I think that's a huge one for especially the younger generation and the older older generation. Just choosing your friends wisely, choosing who you give your time and energy to, choosing the things that you consume. This is extremely important. I think this is probably the biggest one. Choosing the things that are fed into my subconscious. That's, you know, that comes with so many different things through conversations, through what we listen to, the music we listen to. The other day I was listening to um, one of the radio, radio stations on an hour drive. And I remember at the end of the drive, I said, oh my, everything I had just listened to was so violent, was so just not good for me. Simple as, right? The, the shows that we watched, that kind of stuff. Everything is everything. And so... Again, it comes down to just being aware of the things that change your habits. It's about choosing wisely and being proactive in your choices. I think that's what I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deep, man. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement with Jax, man. There's quite a lot of things one can do to answer this, but I think one thing that I would uh, probably pick out, and I think it touches on what Mish was talking about before, but one thing I would say I was guilty of when I was younger was also trying to live a life um, that somewhat impressed other people. Um, And as you grow up, you realise, wait, are you seriously living this particular life to to please someone else um, in a wrong way? And so, yes, I think one thing that I've definitely um, developed over the years in terms of as a habit is not really giving into that sort of peer pressure. So now... Like, I really couldn't 
you know, it doesn't bother me any way to try and impress anyone um, in terms of how I'm living. Um, and one of the things that I've done over the past, I'll probably say four or five years, I'm pretty much not on social media because I know we're all humans. So it's very easy to be influenced. Some of us think we're strong enough not to be influenced, but listen, social media, they spend billions and billions and will continue spending billions because they know how the human body works. Um, so one of the things that I've done over the years is limit my use of social media. So I'm pretty much only on Facebook, which, as you probably know, human beings don't even use that anymore. So I'd, I'll probably check it like <laughs> once every three months. Um, but, you know, Facebook, I've got Instagram, so they're, they're, they're not suffering as a business. Um, and so I'm only on Facebook and I'm only on uh, LinkedIn. I had a Twitter account about four or five years ago, but the password messed up and I, it's linked to an old email and I can't get into it. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not on social media. So that's helped a lot. If news is that big, somehow it will get to me. Um, so, yeah. Can I add something to that? Go on. Yeah, so I'm a bit different from Peter in the sense that I, I still use social media, um, probably a bit much more than Peter. But what I would say is I've also realised the impact that social media has on me as an individual. And Peter's absolutely right. No matter who you are, no matter who you are, it's going to have an impact. And so whilst I still remain on social media, I've been very proactive to actually choose who I follow. This is the thing, especially on Instagram. I, I predominantly use Instagram. Um, I don't really use Snapchat anymore, but Instagram is what I, I tend to use. And I've actually spent days going through who I follow and removing every single person I think is bad for me, okay? So, boys, those Instagram models, stop following them. <laughs> they got to go. They got to go. Yeah. I'm being honest with you, boys. I never did. I never did. <laughs> you know, I'm joking, but you, you understand what I'm saying. There's something... He's not joking. He's telling the truth and I co-signed that. <laughs> For our listeners, you guys are all right, innit? But for our listeners, um, you stay off that rubbish, man. It's all pointless. It's so so bad for you. Yeah, it's all pointless. It it feeds into your subconscious, even when you think you're okay. You know, oh, I'll just... It feeds into your subconscious. And it's not just about um, Instagram models. It's about people that are always flossing their drip, as you guys will say. A lot of these people are not showing you their real life. You know, social media is just a highlight rule that shows you. A lot of the time, it's not even a highlight rule. People are just showing you fake stuff. And so, yeah, personally, I've literally gone through and I've actually removed every single person that I think is bad for me to consume. Um, and every single other day, if I see someone post something that I don't like, even, listen to this, even if we are friends and you post something that, and consistently post some things that I don't think are good for me, I will unfollow you. That's We're still fair. friends. We could talk off air, <laughs> you know? But I will unfollow yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. To be honest, it's actually better to have a face-to-face interaction like normal human beings rather than virtual reality over social media. So that's probably a better alternative as well. But um, David, man, great question. I think that, that, that's it for me, man. I think it's made such a... It's definitely made an impact um, on my life, I feel. Well, great question, man. Any other questions from... Um, we're loving these, man. Any other questions? Um, I've got one question. Um, I remember um, during the webinar series that you guys um, ran for us, you suggested a couple of books. So I took upon myself to start reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And in the book, he particularly touches on um, how there's often conflict, well, not necessarily conflict, but um, 
this agreement when it comes to deciding whether a house is an asset of, or liability. And I've also struggled putting a house into either category. And I was wondering to so get your opinions on which one's which, um, which one it actually belongs to, if there is a strict definition of what's classification. Yeah, I, I can take this, PR. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, it's, it's a big topic. It's a huge topic because, you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad is a huge book. It's a very popular book that everybody's read. And some people take it literally. And I've actually told PR that it's a book that has to be read with some level of maturity. Um, in, in order to answer your question, um, is your house an asset or a liability? Look, in the accounting terms, anything that you own is an asset. It's as simple as that. Um, but what Robert Kiyosaki is trying to say is he's trying, that book is actually a very, is a mindset type of book. It's trying to change your mindset as to how you see certain assets. So even though by definition, by accounting definition, your house is your asset. And in fact, your car is an asset because, because it has value, right? You can sell it and actually generate cash. So it is an asset. However, Robert Kiyosaki is all about cash flow, things that move money into your pocket and things that move money out of your pocket. So if you're going to go by that definition, then your house is not an asset. I'll give you my definition. My definition is all about education, right? And I, and I, and I, and I implore all of you that whenever you read books, don't just take everything literally. Mm. Don't take everything literally. Understand someone's perspective of things so i understand robert kiyosaki's perspective i love i love the guy but i don't agree with anything that he says right because he's very passionate about certain things and is more opinionated than factual sometimes okay your house is an asset or liability regardless of whatever you want to call it okay it's about understanding what it is you buy a house you tend to normally get a mortgage to buy the house right so you borrow from the bank and after let's say 30 years or so you finish paying back that house yeah at the end of that term the house is fully yours with no debt that means you can treat it as an asset does that make sense okay alternatively you can buy a house and rent it out for cash flow yeah according to robert kiyosaki that's what he calls an asset so regardless of whether you're doing it for cash flow or capital appreciation because remember the value of the house can go up in value as well Sure. In both ways, generally, it's an asset. It is an asset, fact. But what Robert Kiyosaki is trying to say to you and, and to I and to everyone else is don't place so much emphasis on your house being an asset when it comes to financial freedom, okay? Because he defines financial freedom as when cash flow from passive investments, as Bully mentioned earlier, can pay for your lifestyle. Once that can happen, then you are seen as financially free. So in that case, you can't see the house that you live in as an asset because it doesn't produce you with an income. It doesn't give you cash flow, right? But if you buy and you rent it out, then it does. That's all Robert Kiyosaki is trying to say. He's trying to change people's mindsets so that people can buy houses as assets that produce cash flow. He's all about the cash flow. And that's why he's got things like the cash flow quadrant, et cetera, et cetera. I hope that makes sense. I've waffled a bit, but I hope that does make sense. <laughs> it makes perfect sense now. Thank you for clearing that one up. Whilst we're on the whole point of assets and liabilities, you can also apply that to your who you surround yourself around with as well. Um, are they being an asset to your life in terms of bringing you joy, peace, um, or are they constantly being a liability? Um, or are, who are you being an asset to? 
Um, so yeah, definitely a really interesting uh, concept. Cool. Thanks for that, Mish. Any other questions? <clears throat> yeah, I've got another question. So we've all completed the, the programme at Work Finance. So for each of us, what would you say are the next steps for us to improve our financial understanding? And so I think you're all, of course, at different stages. Um, and if you remember how we walked you through the process of getting onto a personal finance journey, so, of course, at all times, increasing your education for as long as you live, always increasing your education in terms of in this space. And then we walked you through um, looking at your finances, um, what you have coming in, what you have going out, um, i.e. a budget, and actually working towards a um, a budget spreadsheet, for example. Um, we also supported you to understanding how the economy works and everything around um, behavioural economics and how to stay ahead of the game and not giving in to things which uh, pick at your desire for instant gratification. Um, we spoke about debt. If, any, if anyone has um, any form of, of debt, how to work around that. Then also we spoke around saving. So again, it depends where you are on this journey. But, um, you know, saving um, towards building your emergency fund and then going beyond that, saving a healthy bit of a, a healthy sum and then walking onto your investments as well. Um, and within that, that investments could look like, you know, going into stocks and shares, whether it's funds, et cetera, or going into property invest, investing. And then finally, um, slightly before that, we also spoke, spoke about um, buying your first, your own home. So again, it's just about really understanding where you are on that stage. And what we'll probably encourage you as, because you've got time on your hands as well, is um, seeking the support of, mentors that can support you on your journey but also making a plan that you can revisit and update learn you may make one or two mistakes which is fine but continue learning from a woke finance perspective um you've of course come through our program as well so you're of course are on our database so we have a duty to make sure we're having um engagement touch points um from a longer term perspective um from in terms of what you can get from uh, bulk finance and ensuring that we continue to stay um, engaged with you and providing support where we can, even if that means connecting you with someone that can provide you actual professional advice should you need that. Jax, I don't know if you had anything else to add on to that. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, the education never stops. Um, even myself, I'm consistently educating myself. Um, there's education everywhere, literally, as I said, even on YouTube. Um, there's books to be read. There's so much out there. Um, Peter's talked about it very well. There's, it, it really does depend on where you are in your journey, but also depends on where your interest lies as well. So I know, I think Bolu is very interested in property investing. Get into it. Read more books. Sign up to YouTube channels. Look, I told people I study for one hour every single day, or I dedicate at least one hour every single day to my journey, my personal finance journey, whether it's learning about more about the stock market, whether it's learning about property, I dedicate at least one hour, okay? And I think you guys can do the same. You've got time on your hands. From a woke finance perspective, Pio has again mentioned it. 
um, it is our duty to be available to you guys. Um, myself and Peter are due to have um, a catch up and a, a meeting to discuss what we can do moving forward um, and how we can plan certain arrangements for 2021 and beyond. So make sure you do look out for that. Um, but yeah, you know, we, you are on our database and we are here to provide support. That's right, man. Thanks very much. A really good question. We have got time for one or two more questions. Um, so if any of you do have any further questions, feel free to ask away. I was going to, unless someone else has a different question, I was going to ask how much um, emphasis do you think should be placed on budgeting? Because having been on this um, scheme and using, starting to use the Excel sheets that you provided for budgeting overviews, I found that um, being able to manage spontaneous events that you wouldn't necessarily plan for by having a section in your own budgeting scheme that allows for um, just going out in general with friends. You, I can find myself no longer fitting into the gap of either being too lavish or too frugal, but I'm actually starting to find balance. So I was going to ask, what um, emphasis do you think should be placed on budgeting in our day and age? Jack's after you. I can trip on after you. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, budgeting is at the forefront of all financial planning, right? Um, it, it has to be done. Now, how detailed it has to be does depend on the person. Um, so, for example, I know Peter is much more detailed than I am, right? But I'm more detailed on specific things, okay? So, for example, you know, I love the whole ideology of investing. I'm much more detailed when it comes to saving and investing, right? And then I set myself certain barriers that I don't go ahead of when it comes to things like spending lavishly. But it's extremely important. It's more to do with, you know, you might have a month where you kind of crash the budget. Let's be honest. It happens. It happens to me right mm. but it's all about coming back to the budget coming back to equilibrium <laughs> and fixing issues that you've you know if you've overspent last month well this month you can't overspend in fact this month you have to save more there is a huge emphasis on budgeting and you know i deal with people that are struggling with debt i deal with people that um have gone past debt or they're, they're, they're doing well but they want to create an emergency fund i deal with people that have loads of money i want to invest all of these people need a budget because budgeting is where you plan. And just like everything in life, you have to plan. And if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. I know they use it for prepare, but I'm talking about planning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <still> applies. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, that's my, simple, um, my simple truth. You just have to be very, very... In Look, in everything, you have to be intentional. You have to be very intentional and proactive. And budgeting is something that really, really helps me. I, again, I might not be as aggressive as Peter, but I've got a budget in place. So, Peter, over to you. Yeah, I'll echo that, man. The word in, in, in being intentional um, is so key. When you are budgeting, essentially, what you're doing, instead of your money just going everywhere and you don't know where it's going, you're being intentional and telling your money where it needs to go. And that's what you're doing with a budget. Um, and what you'll find, Misha, is that particularly at your young age, this time in five years, it will be literally nothing. Um in terms of planning a budget and actually sticking to it. And you learn after each month, after each month, how your spending habits are. You start to look at your wants, your needs. You start to put in different budget lines for different things that you actually discover you do spend money on. Um, and yeah, so it, to be honest, it's quite a fun into, uh, activity when you actually start getting used to it. Um, and then it's going to be so 
crucial as well for when you go on to the next stages in life, whether it's um, making massive expenses, whether it's a mortgage or when you get married, joint budgets, all things like that. So it's so crucial that you get into the habit. And again, it's about developing those long-term habits that becomes a natural part of your behaviour. Because ultimately, we do not want to be in a position where at the end of every month, we're wondering, wait, you've got nothing left and we're desperate for that next paycheck and you've not saved this, you've not paid down this, you've not done nothing. And it's like, what have I done? But if you budgeted, you would have paid yourself first. If come at the end of the month, if you haven't got much money in your current account, you know full well where it's gone and you've built up your investment or saving or whatnot. But great question, man. And we got time for one final question. Is it gonna be? Is it gonna be? Bolly? It's gonna be me. Bolly's come off me first, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I was gonna ask you for the last question. If you were sixteen again, what would you tell your sixteen-year-old your your sixteen-year-old version of yourself, and what would you do differently on what you've already done? Go on, Jacks. I think I've got so much to tell my sixteen-year-old self. Um, one thing I would say is um, keep going. Yeah, keep going because. Um, even though at 16, I wasn't, uh, you know, I was doing things like playing money up and wasting some time. I still had something called intellectual curiosity, which means I did like studying, right? I used to get home, you know, even after a long day of money up, (laughs) I would get home and I would study really hard. I I really did study really hard. So, um, I'll say keep going. Um, I will tell him to create good habits and be, and stay away from bad habits. Okay, because it's the habits that shape a lot of things in our adulthood as well, right? So good habits such as eating healthily, um, continuing to exercise, reading, getting to reading. I always like to read, but I didn't read enough, I think. Um, so making that a habit rather than a one-off thing. Um, definitely, I think the one that I'll tell my 16-year-old self is to choose your friends wisely. I think that is key because a lot of the things that could have went wrong in my life was because of the people I was around. And a lot of the things that went well in my life was also because of some of the other people that I were around. You know, I, I recall myself and Peter, I had, I had a huge life-changing um, period in my life. I, was, I think I was 17. Um, and I don't know if you remember this, Peter, but it was a time where we were both going to CAO along with our friend Stephen and so on and so forth. And I... It just, you know, just being around certain type of friends and um, even my, my faith of God at the time was really strong. It just changed my whole perspective of life. And that period was when I got the best grades, entered university, etc. So I would say, make sure you choose your friends wisely. And again, same I said it before, choose who you give your time and energy to and what you consume. That's the most important thing for me anyway. Definitely in agreement, Jess. I would say uh, to my 16-year-old self, um, if you're in school and you're in college, there are going to be opportunities. I don't know who presents them, but there might be, I don't know, an extracurricular activity or a charity or whatever comes into your school or college. And they present opportunities which will get you out of your comfort zone and it will get you to meet people that you types of people that you may not normally interact with. This might be due to the background, uh, race, type of job they do, etc. the way they speak, uh, 
Um, and I'm not going to lie, back in those days, when stuff like that used to come, just because of my mentality and who I used to surround myself with and how I allowed my mentality to develop, I used to think that was moist. Why am I doing this and mixing with these people? There used to be opportunities to go to 10 Downing Street. I've taken some of them, but in my head I'm thinking, what am I doing here? But listen... You, that those moments when you're out of your comfort zone, that's where you grow so much yeah. and that's where you build so many networks. And I can tell you this in terms of how I, wherever I've progressed in my life, it's largely been as a result of building networks with people that I might not have normally interacted with, but also having solid um, mentors that come from similar backgrounds uh, to me as well support me and saying yes to opportunities yeah saying yes to opportunities and um, if you have time say yes to them you learn so much don't think oh this isn't for me learn you learn you grow and you develop so I'll, I'll tell my 16 year old uh, self to say yes to more of these opportunities which I might have looked down upon which was silly. Totally agree. Totally agree. That's, yeah, that's so important. <laughs> we are running out of time, so we are going to head off there. But you're obviously in our Lamina and you're on our programme as well, so I'm sure we'll definitely have you back in due time. But um, Bolu, David and Mish, man, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this episode. One thing um, I'm going to say, sorry, Peter. Oh, um, sorry, sorry, Mish, they've been calling you Mish the whole episode. I didn't know when to tell, tell them to call you Mish. <laughs> it's Mish, it's Mish, that's, how, that's what they call it's me. Mish, not Mish, but, you know, <laughs> we've done a whole hour of them calling you Mish. I apologise for that. <laughs> no worries, and, and Mish, this is how you know um, Jax is bad man. He's let me do that for the whole hour. <laughs> I should be taking it upon myself to do it myself. <laughs> you know what I did? So now when I edit this, I'm going to have to be looking at all the time when I call <laughs> No, I, I don't it's, it's done. It's mission. No, I'm playing. I'm definitely keeping it. Um, cool, man. Any final words from our participants, man? Really, really an honor to have you on the show today, man. Um, I'd like to say thank you to both Jax and Peter for having us. And I think one thing I've definitely taken, well, two things I've taken one away is one, um, when it comes to personal finance, it's probably 50% technical and 50% behavioral. So knowing how to manage your own self and focus on your own self and positively influence others when it comes to this. And secondly, um, what I've learned is, even though I do like reading, but um, I've never been one to actively go out of my way to previously reading books. But now that I've gotten into Rich Dad Poor Dad, I've also seen my by books but I'm written by Nelson Mandela, Barack Obama, you name it. So I've done definitely say that's one positive thing. Don't say no to reading. Get into it later. Big man. Thank you very much for that, Mish. Same here, guys. I'd just like to say a big thank you to both yourself, Peter and Jack, for this opportunity to be in this work finance course. I think I've definitely benefited. And one thing that I've positively taken away from this is to increase all the time, not just be satisfied with what I've learned, but keep searching for knowledge that I can grow different portfolios and expand my knowledge. Just like to say thank you. Love it, man. Love it. That's right, man. I'm finally buddy, man. I'd also like to say thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for having me on this on the podcast. I really appreciate everything and the the the, the course, the program, work finances. It's been phenomenal. I feel like I've learned a lot. I've matured. I've been able to develop develop my mindset and see things I wouldn't see 
like for example budgeting wow like the way i've benefited from budgeting the last few weeks that i've been trying it it's, <laughs> it's been amazing like i've saved so much money i feel like i'm in control and i feel like the only way is up from here and i was like i'd like to say thank you and say i appreciate everything you've done for us amazing man they always say once you actually um get down with a budget it feels like a pay rise the first time you do it so yeah absolutely amazing thank you very much all man um and i'm sure we'll have you on the show again um another time so again thank you very much all jacks my guy thank you very much as per usual to our listeners thank you for tuning in and wherever you are as we said before if you think this could add value not just to young people but to anyone um, do share and spread around and like, subscribe and do the usual. And remember all, stay woke. Stay woke. Stay woke. <laughs> <laughs>